Hey everybody, this is Adam, host of the podcast you're about to listen to. Just a heads up that for the next few weeks at least, we're going to be giving up these pre-roll ad spots that would normally go towards striking it rich in the HelloFresh promotion market and using this space to promote various social justice organizations. We are very lucky to be mostly supported by subscription money that comes directly from our listeners. So giving up this ad space is the least we can do. Almost literally the least we can do. And this week, we'll start with an easy one. Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles, and I can tell you this, the LAPD, they have a whole lot of money. Even if you take that $150 million out of their budget, they still have a massive budget. When it comes to defunding the police, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles is especially up against it. So, if you're able, head to blmla.org and donate whatever you can. Or, when you go to that page, there's a link right on their page that literally says one thing you can do right now. Donate to the Los Angeles Action Bail Fund. I say donate to both. Just do whatever you can to help. Racial inequality and police violence are both problems that are not going away anytime soon. So talking about it on social media is nice. It has an impact, I'm sure. But do whatever else you can to help, too. All right, that's all. Thanks. Let's get to the show. El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a weekly column for a bunch of internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. Then I'd come on this show to defend those opinions. But now I don't do a damn thing. Joining me today, he is my co-host on this podcast. And like I always say, kind of running out of things to say about him really really kind of frustrating maybe i should see if he'll do these intros from now on and see what he's got to say about me better all be nice ladies and gentlemen jeff may also joining me have you ever wondered what it would be like if gamefully unemployed and unpops legend tom ryman had a brother well it turns out he does and he's joining us on the podcast today take that tom Ladies and gentlemen, John Ryman. It's going to be a great show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? What? It's it's me. It's Adam. No. What? No. Have you? Shit. I'm not. Have you been on the show? Is this your first time on? Yes. No. First time. First time guest. Long time uh, unsubscriber. <laughs> uh, uh, well, oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Jeff May, coming at you live from North Hollywood, California. Oh, that's Jeff bringing the appropriate level of solemnness to what we're, we're talking about the fucking police again. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 and joining us today as guest not tom ryman john ryman what what uh, yeah, immediately everybody turns the podcast off what a joke no 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 people are going to want to have you on here uh i'm, I'm glad john i've i've actually recorded a podcast with john before we did a yeah. watch batman special guest john ryman on the batman 66 movie 
the original the Batman. best Batman sure movie <laughs> right if that's what if that's what makes you happy yeah go for it uh, An hour and a half movie that lasts six hours in addition to being a friend of the show and Tom's bro John is a former cop which makes this an opportune episode to appear on if I'm being honest we planned this a year and a half ago and it just magically landed on this being this episode crazy how that worked out yeah we were like i think the cops might be up to something (laughs) i think the police might be doing something screwy let's plan ahead john thank you for being here i appreciate uh you joining the episode today how's it going yeah thanks for having me that one's going pretty good it's going pretty good uh just waiting out the quarantine growing my quarantine beard i look like i've been living in a abandoned mine for three months but yeah you look like where it goes. you look like you're hiding from the police that you used to work for <laughs> <laughs> i might need to uh no yeah i'm trying to see how long it can go i'm trying to show everybody else that yeah you can go without a haircut for a quarantine but i'll probably end up looking like a uh red dead redemption character by the end of it that's fair a vigilante i like how that works <laughs> yeah you know, it's funny uh, with the quarantine and everything like last uh, a couple of years ago, I grew out like a big beard, but I don't grow a long beard. I just it just gets fuller and fuller. That's so how mine goes. Banding sun. And I'm just like, oh, this isn't going to it's not going to work for me. Yeah, no, I, I it just it, the, the bottom meets the top and it just starts going outwards. So a lot of comb, a lot of oil. Facial super in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, how long did you work as a cop? I was a police officer for uh, three years from when I was 26 to 29 years old. I was in the um, uh, in the South at the time. So this would have been like between 2006 and 2009. 2000 nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> six and nine, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is nice. Uh, yes, I'm a little bit removed, but I don't think that things have changed that much. I think the only thing's really changed is uh, body cams, and that's not really changed anything as we're coming to see. So No. Yeah, we've had regular cameras on people doing bad things. I don't think the body cameras have really stopped. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's it's been uh, a fiasco since then. And what it, what's crazy is that we talked last week about the Ferguson effect, which was this myth that James Comey and others were pushing back around 2014, where they were like, these body cameras, they're just not only they're not just going to cut down on police violence. They're going to make cops not want to do their job because they're being scrutinized so hard. And it's like, yeah, none of that happened, huh? Fucking idiot. No, you caught those guys in Baltimore that were actually planning drugs on suspects with the body cameras still on. Yeah. And then this the would be- smarter ones would just turn them off. So. Imagine hiring a security guard for your electronics store and then coming in the next day to find that he took a baseball bat to all the expensive electronics. And then <laughs> it's like, I got a union. You can't fire me. <laughs> exactly. So what made you uh, decide to leave the police force? Well, and I was talking to Jeff about this a little bit. I I eventually uh, resigned um, because I'd crashed my car too many times. (laughs) (laughs) That'll Um, do it. Yeah, uh, I was. Turns out I was real accident prone in the police vehicle. So um, this one time I was backing out of a, uh, uh, you know, I think I was on an alarm call or something like that. And then I was backing up. I heard a crunch. I was like, what? and looked over my uh, shoulder. Didn't see anything. Turns out there was a pole right in my blind spot. So I just drive off and leave. And then my uh, other partner uh, told me, he's like, hey, man, wink, wink. It looks like somebody ran into your car. Wink, wink. 
while we were inside. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, but at the time, um, I just, uh, I came clean and it just was like, look, cause I'm a bad liar. So I just said, look, this is what happened. And they're like, yeah, you're probably not going to advance in the department anymore. And I was like, I should go. Shouldn't I? They're like, yes, that would be best. <laughs> That's what happened. What's, what's funny to me is that uh, like the crux of you losing your job is that you couldn't go along with the lie. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I tried it at first and then they were like, what really happened? I'm like, you're right. I did this. This is what happened. Um, they're like, and that's basically, you know, and, and the lie at first was just because I had a four-year-old and a mortgage. So I was just kind of concerned about it. But at the end, it's just like, for me, I, I just can't, I just couldn't do it. So, and follow through. So it's, you know, it's, I, I don't have any ill will towards the department at all. So it's, it's, you know, it, no, it was a, it turns out to be a blessing in disguise. Cause as we're going to talk about, um, probably some point in this podcast, not everybody should be police officers. And I don't think, uh, really I was one of them. So <laughs> Especially the people that are currently police officers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's almost as though, you know, you should properly vet people uh, before you hire them on. The favorite. Uh, which a lot of cops don't, which a lot of police departments don't do. It costs too much money and they right. need people. You know, Adam actually wrote an interesting article and in cracked about the Albuquerque PD that was sort of about the the lack of proper vetting. But I think one of the best statements that I'd heard about it is um, new rule. Anybody who wants to be a cop shouldn't be allowed to be a cop. Like anybody that who tracks aspires yeah. to it, you know, you're like, mm, no, maybe well, not. Well, I, I had wanted to be a police officer since I was about nine or 10. And, um, you know, it, and it was, and this is telling because like the first time I wanted to be a police officer was when uh, we had the D.A.R.E. program over in, um, over in our school in uh, Norfolk, uh, Virginia. And um, they were talking to us about, uh, you know, oh, there are all these kinds of illicit drugs, especially like these like uh, uh, LSD stickers or whatever. And they'll make them look like cartoons to try to attract kids and get them hooked on it. I just remember thinking it's like, God, what kind of evil son of a bitch would do something like that? And I'm just looking at this cop and I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to try to, I want to try to protect other people from this. You know, I just very much like Captain America. don't like bullies. So I got into the department to be Captain America. turns out they want you to be the Punisher instead. And you know, you start going that way. So as someone who's already susceptible to being a bully in the first place, that's just gonna, that's just gonna send them over. I really like the idea that the cop was telling the kids like, no, 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 they want you, you they want you addicted to acid by putting cartoon characters on there. Like you yeah. stickers in the real world and not oh, come on. Like, and I was oh, like nine or 10 at the time. I mean, you, that, Jeff, I hate to break it to you. That is absolutely how you do acid. You, it comes in a little piece of paper and I you know. lick it and put it on no, your No, I know tongue. the blotter, but I'm like, what kids are like getting stickers so they can lick them? Like that's, that's the thing that's going to get through. It's like, oh, no, no, it says Mickey Mouse on it. You should lick it. That's a good point. Uh, Dare always just made me want to do drugs. I got, I, I actually paid attention in Dare, but like, I also like kind of saw through it a little bit. Like a lot of the stuff that I paid attention to was like noticing track marks on arms and how to, how to actually get through with saying no. And I, I gotta be honest, like Dare kind of sunk in with me as, as is a well-documented piece of information. Cause I, I don't drink. I've never done drugs that weren't prescribed to me and awesome. Like, I'm pretty chill about it. So something sunk in with me. So I can't say it's wholly ineffective, but I know that D.A.R.E. has pretty much had an adverse effect. Yeah, <laughs> including on well, you because up. you don't party. So what were you going to say, John? Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, well, I grew up in uh, a house with very uh, Reagan-era Republican parents. So I was seeing, you know, drug dealers and criminals 
everywhere I looked. My parents voted for Reagan, and I'm still not sure why, because they weren't really conservative. But in 84, everyone voted for Reagan. He won 49 of 50 states. Crazy. We should start, yeah. we should start playing Cult of Personality right now by Living Color. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we're talking today about the blue wall of silence, which Ooh. is... Yeah, more like the boo wall of silence. <laughs> you fucking dunk. Tomahawk jam on the cops. <laughs> and that is the the term that's used to denote the idea or the informal rule among police officers that one cop does not tell on another cop or anything up to <laughs> and including police brutality. It's a term that dates back as far as the mid to late 19th century also sometimes called the blue code or blue shield, but holy shit, blue wall of silence sounds so much cooler. It's much more accurate too. Yeah, but it's not cool, Jeff. No, it's not. It's basically just another form of police misconduct and possibly the most prevalent form of police misconduct because it's the one that allows all other police misconduct to just carry on unabated. It's also the one that I think you could say that nearly every cop, if not like 99% of them are guilty of. And that's where, to me, the argument that this is my sort of dissolution of the few bad apples argument. Because if you believe in the blue wall of silence and you follow it, you're a bad apple. You are allowing crime. You are allowing brutality. And you you are aiding and abetting it. And if you're a cop, you know that aiding and abetting is also a fucking problem right you're part of the crime exactly at that point yeah you're assisting you know you're you're john stockton hooking up the mailman for some crime (laughs) (laughs) crime assist yeah in at least one study it's been found that the crime most commonly shielded by the blue wall of silence excessive use of force there's uh, apparently this idea that you know sometimes things just happen in the heat of the moment and you might have to punch someone who's handcuffed in the back of a car and when that happens police officers tend to rally around each other and not get anyone in trouble it's it's interesting too there are like a lot of pop culture sort of references to the blue wall of silence and one of the ones i think that stands as being displayed as being sort of like a, an active sort of like gumption or whatever is in Batman Begins when uh, Lieutenant James Gordon watches his partner take a bribe and his partner's like, well, we don't like that. You don't take a taste. And he's like, hey, I'm no rat. And that's actually like saying like, I'm no rat is saying I follow the blue wall of silence. So like Commissioner, Gordon, yeah. Commissioner Gordon's a, a fucking a bastard. Like he's, he's a bastard <laughs> cop for doing that. Yeah. When, when I was a, a police officer, you kind of, they kind of uh, train you almost to do that. If that makes any sense. Uh, you feel very isolated. Um, you're constantly told and in training, you know, Hey, public hates you. Um, they're always going to try to get one over on you. The way I was taught to approach people was, approach people even if it's like an 80 year old grandma approach everybody like they have a gun and that they're trying to get one over on you um so you don't you learn not to trust people except for other cops like those are the only ones you can trust and the one the only ones you can trust are the ones with the you know the silver the tin badges like you don't trust any higher ups don't trust anybody above a sergeant um so you're really part of this gang in a sense or you know this what you feel is like a closely uh knit family and these are the guys that are going to back you 
up. These are the people that are going to back you up. And, uh, you know, some people, and with like, you know, hitting a, hitting a suspect in custody or something like that. Ah, uh, hey man, everyone has a bad day here and there. Or, hey, that guy was a scumbag and he kind of deserved to, you know, to get a pop in the chin or something like that. And, um, you know, don't, don't time this guy out because he's got your back when all these other people don't. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's wrong. It's, it's, it's incredibly wrong. Um, I was a cog in that wheel for three years and, um, I never witnessed anything like what's going on right now or like anything like on the Serpico level or like, you know, what they were talking about the NYPD 12. I never saw anything like on that level, but definitely you get that. Like when I was watching those documentaries in that movie, I was like, Oh yeah, that's like, like I've never seen that firsthand, but Oh, I, I totally see where this is going. I can totally, see where you're like but i get it yeah i get it because it's you know that's that's the culture that they have they have fostered um it benefits the people at the bottom because you know they're they've got immunity they or this perceived immunity and it benefits the people at the top there's like well you handle it yourselves and don't make us look bad right. so um unfortunately it's something that still persists it's something that uh i was a part of for three years and i'm you know kind of deeply ashamed for a lot for a lot of that just because of you know what this what i'm coming to see right now that everything you that should. i did represented so any any people uh people of color anybody out there listening right now i'm deeply sorry about that and i'm trying my best to you know do what i can now to be a good ally i'm just putting it out there john not good enough. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you that's stained, and it's not going to wash off. That's it feels kinda, like that sometimes, honestly. That's kind of why I wanted to do this episode because there are so many people out there with this idea that oh, well, it's just a few bad apples out there that we need to root out. But the way. I mean, with everything I've read about how policing works and especially with how this blue wall of silence idea works, you're kind of forced into being a bad cop as soon as you become a cop. It's I've mentioned it before out loud, but it's mafia shit. This is legitimately yeah. mafia shit. And the cops shouldn't be behaving. I'm going to go out on a limb here like the mafia. Call me crazy. And it there are obviously people who become police officers because they want to help and they want to do good in their community. And we'll talk about a really good example of that. We already mentioned it a little bit, the NYPD 12. Most of those cops are dudes who wanted to go work in their community and do good. And they were ostracized for refusing to just indiscriminately arrest people of color. And to find them. Because one of the problems, as we're going to find out, is that the police in many areas are a revenue stream. Oh, yeah. And when you do try to speak out against things like this, you're labeled a whistleblower, which is the appropriate word for it. But the way whistleblowers are treated within police departments is abhorrent. It is really bad. They're called rats. Yeah. yeah like, you're... like we call them whistleblowers, but they're called rats and they are considered bad vermin. And if you think right. it's not a systemic thing that goes from the top to the bottom, consider this. There was audio released just this past week of a 911 operator who was actually watching what happened to George Floyd. He was murdered. She was watching it live because there was a surveillance camera at a corner nearby. And she called her supervisor. And one of the first things she said was, call me a whistleblower if you want. And then she went on and explained what she was seeing 
on this video. So even that 911 operator knows there's a little grime attached to being called a whistleblower, which is a huge problem. Yeah, because now you're allowing people to do crimes. You're aiding and abetting the people that should not be doing crimes so they can do crimes. Right. Right. What a twist. They shamalon you. The whole American justice system, they shamalon you. Playful secrets. Playful secrets. <laughs> oh, this is sad. <laughs> Anytime we can get a playful secrets reference, I am happy. Hell yeah. I fucking love that movie. Same. Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of this here podcast you're listening to right now. Just wanted to direct your attention to another podcast that you might enjoy. It's called In Broad Daylight. It's a politics and news podcast that used to be hosted by just me. But since the Rona lockdown started, doing solo podcasts is kind of a bummer. So now the show is co-hosted by me and my former Crack.com co-workers, Luis Prada and Ian Forty. If you miss the days when the Unpopular Opinion podcast was nothing but me screaming into the void about Trump, well, for one thing, I'm sure we'll get back to that place really soon. But in the meantime, check out In Broad Daylight, a politics and news podcast, everywhere podcasts are available. Thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. So there are some really famous cases of this that we can talk about john did you want to add anything i feel like i just cut you off there no but just i think a lot of where this and i I already touched on it already with just this um sense of isolation and otherism that uh they'll say they don't do but in training it's it's deeply it's it's deeply ingrained in you so if you do have this like me i wanted to be a boy so you know i wanted to be captain america that'll get beaten out of you real quick and they they give you this sense of other it's just like for where you're like okay well you're the you're the police officers you're the only ones that really know what's going on these civilians they don't know shit which is crazy um, cops are so dumb <laughs> well i mean they, not I for nothing, but degree, it's a, Jeff, it's I mean, a collection so. of c minuses <laughs> Like, uh, but it's and they to the point where you know I wasn't I wouldn't trust the opinions of my own family over other cops. I wouldn't trust you know people that weren't blue. So when you're that and that's a huge problem because you start looking at at uh, at, at the people that you're supposed to be serving and protecting and start looking at them as as less than you are. They're not the same as you. You're you're a real person. You understand what's going on. They don't. So you feel like you're in this very small boat in this very large ocean with like you know only a crew of you know whoever you're working with and um you know for 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 them it feels like a betrayal if you come out against no matter what they did it feels like you're stabbing them in the back or spitting in their face and they make sure that you feel that way and it's ingrained in training which is a huge part of the reason why you're seeing this stuff because the training is not sufficient to do the job it's very brief and the what they do teach you is i i know i i sat through at least two days a training of uh, watching traffic stops in which officers were killed. So they're ingraining this like everybody's violent and they're coming after you mentality. Um, and I'm saying that to say this is that you only when you start to only trust other cops, it's it's like uh, turning on a member of your of your family at that point, um, or they I make you feel do. that way. Huh? Fuck family. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think fundamentally that's something like that needs to change. You need to just tear the whole thing down and rebuild it again from a different foundation uh, in order to solve this problem in particular. It's not only a huge problem, but just like police brutality, it's a problem we've been trying to fix for decades. Like one of the most famous examples is Frank Serpico, who, who is the subject of a 1973 book and film, both called Serpico, played by Al Pacino in the movie. Very famous movie. Can we talk about the turnaround at how quickly this book and movie came out towards the from the event? Yeah. Yeah, was it 1971 is when the commission finally gave their ruling? It's like two years later. Yeah. Well, he was shot in 71, and then the the book came out in 73. He's like, oh, I shot in the face. And the movie based on the book came out in 73. So those had to be in production simultaneously, I would think. Was he shot by Hollywood so they could make (laughs) a movie? It's his actual shooting in the movie. It's a better ending. Yeah, it's really high-quality cameras for a drug bust. (laughs) But Frank Serpico, way back in 67, reported really credible evidence of widespread systemic corruption within the NYPD, if you can believe that. It's hard. I was going to say hard to believe that the NYPD would be guilty of anything other than having a good time. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And, like, Nothing happened when he did that. So three years later, he contributes to a 1970 New York Times front page story about NYPD corruption. And that led to one of the first big investigations into systemic police corruption. It's called the Knapp Commission. It was a five member panel appointed by then mayor John V. Lindsay to investigate claims of police corruption a year later frank serpico was shot in the fucking face while responding to a call about a possible drug deal yeah and there were three other cops on the scene with frank serpico police on the scene you know what i mean (laughs) i know what you mean they Uh, peter bergged him from copland yeah about police corruption Uh, i used to live in copland upstate new york (laughs) Right outside Manhattan, like the closest you could be to New York City while still being upstate. It was filthy with ex-cops. I hated it so much. By far the most racist fucking place I've ever lived. Anyway, (laughs) Frank Serpico, there were three other cops with him. And when he goes to the door of this drug dealer's apartment, he's expecting those other three cops are going to be behind him because that's kind of the role of your backup. I mean, I'm no cop, but I assume your backup is meant to back you up when uh, shit gets tense. And shit got tense and no one was there. And not only that, he gets shot in the face and the other cops don't help. They don't come in to help. They don't issue a 1013, which is how you let dispatchers know a cop's been shot. Which this seems like they're doing the work for him as far as letting people know they're corrupt, you know? Yeah. They're kind of doing it. They're doing the thing that he said they would do. Yeah. And the... Speaking of of the thing that uh, he said they would do, there was no formal investigation into his shooting. The guy who shot him went to prison, but the cops who refused to help, nothing ever happened. There was no formal investigation into that at all. He only survived because an elderly resident of that building called 911. I can't fathom letting someone die like I just, Same. I can't, it, it, like what kind of a person are you 
to like know a person is dying and just be like mm. especially another cop i mean that's you know even even you know with a blue wall you still don't that's some mafia shit well i mean they say they won't perp walk a cop but they'll let him get shot in the face and die yeah he even- it's almost as though police don't have oversight hmm <gasps> Get the H out of here, you S <laughs> Yeah, I won't let you besmirch the good, the good bad names of the dumbest people I went to high school with. <laughs> he even got harassed in his hospital bed by fellow cops after he was shot in the face. They would do uh, what he described as hourly bed checks. So imagine you're in the hospital trying to recover from a bullet to the face. You probably want to get some extended rest in there so you can recuperate. And instead, your fellow police officers are showing up at your bedside every hour waking your ass up. That is torture. That's fucking torture. And that's what happened to him for reporting police corruption. Crazy. Who'd have thought? I would have thought the cops would be like, oh, we should fix the problem and get the naughty cops out. That has- but then if you're, the, if you're the higher up, Jeff, that makes you look bad. <gasps> that common makes it look, And if you're the mayor, it makes it look like you have a problem police department. What? Well, these people need the what for, you know? <laughs> Someone should give them the old what for. They need the good old what for to let them know that what they're doing, it's not okay. I haven't even thought about that up until this point. I think it might help if I can be 100% honest. You know, a good old case of the what for really, really push them to see the the error of their ways, I think would be important. The cops seem receptive to that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, from what I've seen, they seem <laughs> they, pretty They don't like it at all. To constructive criticism, you know, have some notes. We'll give you the Oreo method. I like that you have shiny boots. Please stop killing and murdering people. You're doing great at giving tickets to the poor. So like that, what you do is you shine, you put compliment, constructive criticism, compliment, and then they'll, they'll do fine. Yeah. I don't see why that wouldn't work. Is that from Trump's executive order? I think it might be. We call it the Oreo account. (laughs) Give them a tasty compliment. Another example. (laughs) That was great. Another example of someone who tried to speak out about his fellow cops, James Griffin, a former detective with, again, NYPD's 83rd Precinct. This happened in 2005. So Certainly not. They solved this problem back in the 70s with the NAP Commission, right? Didn't you hear about Serpico, Adam? (laughs) Exactly. They fixed it 30 years ago. It's fine. 40 years ago. Uh, Yeah, he called Internal Affairs in 2005 about an officer he believed was trying to frame him in an internal inquiry about a homicide case. Within a month, the word rat was scrawled on his locker by way of defacing a John Mellencamp sticker, no less, that originally said, I'd rather be at a John Mellencamp concert. They defaced it to say... I'd rat at a John Mellencamp concert, which credit where credit is due. That's pretty funny. That is, I will not have them besmirch John Cougar Mellencamp. Right? I would say I'd rather rat at a John Mellencamp concert. <laughs> Probably like, safer. Smoking marijuana, which is a crime all around here. Ain't that America. <laughs> By the way, if you've never seen Mellencamp in concert, do it. He's so fucking great. And way more... Uh, politically leftist than people give him credit for that song from that truck commercial is basically a pro-socialism song 
Procialism, we like to say. And a lot cheaper than going to a Springsteen concert. Right. I like this. Yeah, because it's any county fair, you know. Uh, <laughs> wow. I would like to add, uh, and I love this, is that all of my dad's favorite musicians growing up uh, would hate him. <laughs> have that? My dad loved Mellencamp and Springsteen. And I was like, oh, no, they, no, you can't. My dad's a bit of a trumper at this point in time. Yeah, when I did, uh, I was on the Portugal The Man Tour the day after Trump got elected. And I was doing Trump jokes. And one single person in the audience booed. And it's like, do you know? Know what band you're here to see? They certainly don't support Trump. Jesus Christ. You fucking J.O. Oh, he was. Most of my family listens to country music or Ted Nugent, so. He would like them. (laughs) Um, It's interesting, too, that they're calling him a rat because he's like, I think I'm being framed. Yeah, no, no, no worries that he's being framed by a fellow cop. That guy's fine. Yeah, just accept getting framed. Just take your medicine. That's nuts. It's so crazy. And he tried moving to a new unit to restart his career, uh, but his former police officer co-workers called that new unit and were like, that guy's a rat, so he can't go anywhere, basically, now. Yeah, that was the guy that uh, the first um, roll call he went into. The uh, sergeant said that there's a rat in the room, I think. Yeah, because I think this guy is in the NYPD 12 documentary also. He's not part of the NYPD 12. Yeah, he was, uh, I think he was the guy that was um, not the, was he the investigator? The detective? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing. He was a detective, and at least according to NYPD rules, If you're a detective on an investigation, you have to have a partner, which is very hard when the entire department has ostracized you for being a rat. No one's going to work with you. It's also really hard because they're all right about to retire and then they stay unretired to finish the case. But something crazy happens in the middle of the case and they think they might want to stay on for longer. Yeah. That happens. That's every movie, right? That is every single movie. movie. Yeah. (laughs) They're all Morgan. I mean, the new bad boys, uh, Martin Lawrence retired and then just said, oh, no, I want to be a cop again. (laughs) There's a uh, it's fun because it's always a, a younger, very handsome white detective and then an older, wiser black detective. That's right about to retire. That's how it works every time. Every single time. That's like cop law, right? Yeah. That younger white cop, you're right. Always very handsome. It's like soups handsome. Brad Pitt handsome. Oof. Mel Gibson handsome. They nailed the race. 80s Mel Gibson handsome. (laughs) Yeah. Before we knew he was an anti-Semite. That does make a person more handsome knowing they're not an anti-Semite. So let's talk about the NYPD 12. There is a fantastic documentary that you can watch right now on Hulu called Crime and Punishment. It's written as Crime Plus Punishment, but you'll find it. Just search Crime and Punishment on Hulu. And it's about a group called the NYPD 12 who are all cops, predominantly people of color. I think all of them. And there's like one Italian guy in there. Yeah. Yeah, He was the lawyer, I think. Yeah. And they were basically, they have recordings of this happening. They were basically told by the higher ups that they had to arrest a certain amount of people every month, which one is illegal. And two is a thing the NYPD claimed they stopped doing well before this happened. And it wasn't just that they were making cops do this. They were making these particular cops who, again, people of color and people who predominantly joined the police force to help. They wanted to work in their communities 
and build relationships with their communities and hopefully kind of work toward fixing the issue of policing in their communities. And instead, they were told, you have to arrest X amount of people in that community every month or you're not doing your job. Now, this is a big problem here is because now it shows that policing is a revenue stream. This is where the problem becomes really problematic because you see it here in that they are pe- people of color are disproportionately punished because they the chances of them having a lawyer or be, being willing to fight the ticket are a lot lower. Uh, the white entitlement is very, you know, I mean, I'll fight anything in court. Like, I'll go to, like you give me a ticket for anything and I'm like, can I go to court for this? Yeah. And like, right. that's not going to happen. People have to work. They don't want to get fired. So they, they pay their 200 or $300 ticket. So now it's predatory behavior and they're being told to do it. And if you're a law and order type at home going, well, if they were arrested, that means they were obviously doing something worthy of them getting arrested. Nope. In almost every case, these arrests go to court and the charges are dismissed. It's just a means of getting people in the system and extracting money from them to clear their name, basically. Yeah, and um, just uh, which when I saw that, I I did watch that documentary this week. I was like, I bet all those charges were dismissed. There was like, oh, yeah, all of them were dismissed. I'm like, yeah, that tracks. NYPD also had that uh, broken window policy. Right. Where they would just flood these, quote, high crime areas with the most cops that they could. And lo and behold, a lot of those were predominantly people of color, uh, minorities in living in that area. So it disproportionately targets them. But at the same time, they're saying they're not disproportionately targeted. We're just fighting crime. We also had kind of that quota, not quota thing in my department where it's just like, look, you have to turn in a certain number of reports. You have to turn in a certain number of traffic citations. Uh, you have to do something. I mean, uh, I think it was, what do they call it? They refer to it as a, a CompuStat or whatever statistics. Um, since those started coming up, then they're like, all right, we got to generate these or else you guys aren't doing your job. So go out and find something. I mean, you could, you know, drive from uh, the law enforcement center a block or two away. You'll, you're bound to find something. So you go from helping people to just being kind of on the hunt. You're a hunter at that point. And one of our favorite things to do was, you know, let's go find some dope. Let's go find some. So it's like, and that, and that became like a game for us to play as cops, you- like find the dope, find the dope. So instead you- of actually being out there to, you know, know protect people you're on the hunt for people and there's there's an interesting it's fucked there's an interesting um sort of thing um do you guys know about the rabbit and the wolf the old nazi propaganda thing about a little uh, bit yeah teaching kids a little you either you either are the rabbit or you are the wolf and that kind of mentality that was taught to the fucking nazis is almost verbatim what is taught to the police absolutely absolutely you are the wolf or, or no 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 you are the sheepdog to protect that's what yes wolves uh yeah and and that that's that's actual wording right the sheepdogs and the wolves and yeah the- it's mm-hmm. from dave grossman's warrior police courses is where that I, that bit in American Sniper comes I from. I went to one of his specific courses, but I went to courses like that. And, That's nuts. Um, 
they prepare you and this goes back to training so much of this goes back to training and which is why we needed national standards for this but it they they treat you like you're a soldier going to war you're not trained like one you don't have the discipline in one but they train you as though you're a soldier going to war and like with this warrior shit you know they hammer it in your head okay you're 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 a combatant you're in these and it, they make you look at the public as enemy combatants and that's and, where and the- this is ingrained in your head this is beaten in your skull to the point where you're just you have a bunch of guys that are undertrained. a lot of them shouldn't be police officers and they're all paranoid and you literally hold someone's life in your hands in more ways than one you have a gun so you can take their life right there or you can just you know arrest them for whatever and then ruin their life from there there's i mean a young kid that gets busted for drugs uh when he's in high school i mean there goes his college chances right there his whole life there's an interesting sort of uh mix here of of sort of what we talked about last week with that sort of like the fact that there are no rules of engagement for police there are no whereas the military absolutely does um you know they have rules on on what to do when they are presented with fire how to act how to react etc and the fact that the cops don't have that and now you add the blue wall where when you see that you are supposed to allow it and you are supposed to not talk about it that's sort of the big that's the blue wall is as big of a problem as the initial corruption itself and i can't stress enough how infuriating the existence of this is it's why you've been hearing me sort of i keep pinging it into conversation during these shows we've done well it's 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 the reason these problems can't be fixed Yes, it will not solve the root of the problem. There is no cure as long as this mentality exists because the mafia can't be cured. And another really interesting example of policing being a revenue stream that targets mostly vulnerable communities and poor people. I'll link to this article on unpops.com, but this reporter a couple years ago did a really deep dive investigation into how the Chicago PD issues traffic tickets. And they basically have a system in place where if you get a traffic ticket as a poor person, they're going to take your fucking vehicle. And even if you pay off that fine, it doesn't go toward getting your vehicle back. And then they just sell those cars for profit. It's just a thing that happens to black people in Chicago all the time. It happens everywhere, everywhere. I mean, you can um, uh, get an arrest for pot, have your uh, license uh, suspended or revoked. Um, If they can make the case that you have maybe um, uh, possession with intent to distribute, they can seize your vehicle, like you're saying, uh, seize any money you have in the car, uh, and all that goes directly to the department. It happened to my department, too. We could do that. Let's talk about one more example of a police whistleblower and uh, what happened to her. I think this is one of the craziest examples. This fucking bananas, man. In 2006, a Buffalo police officer named Carol Horn was fired from her job and charged with obstructing a police officer during an arrest. That officer was Gregory Kwiatkowski. This is her quote. He was handcuffed in the front and he was sideways and being punched in the face by Gregory Kwiatkowski. I'm like, Greg, you're choking him because I thought whatever happened in the house, he was still upset about. So when he didn't stop choking him, I just grabbed his arm from around Neil Mack's neck. So she stopped a fellow cop from choking someone and was fired for obstructing that cop's ability to do his job. 
and stripped of her pension. She was a 19-year veteran of the Buffalo PD at the time. And because she tried to stop this guy from choking someone, which in turn drew attention to the fact that he was choking someone, she got fired. Meanwhile, Greg Kriakowski went on to be convicted of deprivation of rights under color of law three years later and was sentenced to prison over an incident where he beat the shit out of a bunch of teenagers who were accused of committing property damage with a BB gun. In between that incident and the Carol Horn incident, he was also briefly suspended for choking a fellow police officer who wanted to transfer out of his unit. Give Carol Horn her goddamn pension, you goons. That's the other thing. She does, she's no longer eligible for her pension which she'd probably have by now after like 19 years in 2005. She'd probably be retired now, right? I know what you're thinking, gentlemen. The Buffalo PD has a spotless record up until the current day. There are no problems in the Buffalo Police Department. And Carol Horn is a rabble rouser. (laughs) That's what I was also thinking. I was like, I wonder how if we go back in how far we go back in her file if she's like brought up other incidents before and maybe they're just like we're sick of you you know i mean and um this was just a way to get her out yeah they that's the only way i found out about all the uh greg kwiatkowski stuff that happened after this is i googled to see if maybe he was one of the cops that pushed that old man over and reminder that greg kwiatkowski by the way white guy carol horn Black woman. She's a black woman. Yeah. So yeah. You, you really know who the people are that are, are, are actually believe in justice. Yeah. And, you know, honest, honest police officers in these departments are often, you know, they'll they'll spread rumors about them from the top down. Um, and you saw it happen with the, the NYPD 12, you know, with the uh, higher ups actually, you know, fucking with the lower ones. Oh, this person's lazy. Oh, this person's a liar. Oh, this person's trying to get medical benefits or he's a rabble rouser. I mean, a lot of it is also not just from the cops at that level, but it's the, the higher ups, you know, trying to discredit these people that are coming forward with all this stuff because it looks it, it looks bad for the department and god forbid the department look bad god forbid the mayor look bad yeah the police um, of the catholic church of violence exactly that's the best that's the best uh description i've heard of them but yes they are um get the problems guys just move them somewhere else like if we had a problem person and this is just something i did i knew that a um particular officer this wasn't a civil rights issue but i knew that they were unsafe um they wouldn't clear buildings properly you know like if you're clearing a building they just pop up in front of you like, hey how's it going and which dude i could have shot you what are you what are you doing or they would pursue suspects unsafely you know and it that could be like a real injury to other police officers. I just stopped working with that officer. And anytime it came, I wouldn't report them. I wouldn't do anything like that. I would go to the sergeant. You know, if they uh, were sending them as backup for me, I would just be like, disregard, dispatch. I'll call in if I need backup. Um, but I wouldn't report that person. I mean, because that's the, uh, you know, that's that's the culture there. And they there is actually a term for that, very racist term, gypsy cops. And what a gypsy cop is, is a cop who is such a problem, be it because of violence or because of things like John was just describing, that they're not going to last that long at any particular police department. And once they become a whole lot of trouble, the easiest thing to do is just write them a good recommendation and send them off to another police agency send them to another church or parish right it is it's exactly like what the catholic church did with 
sexual predators. They would just kind of sweep it under the rug and send them to another uh, church. And now they're that church's problem. Same idea here. You're just sending them in a school or put them in a bike and have them, you know, pedal their ass downtown. Yeah. And it's, it's the same idea here. And the, the way it like one way, this particular issue uh, really can spin out of hand. A good example of it. Anyway, Jeff mentioned earlier, the Albuquerque PD, which we've done an entire episode about. I wrote a cracked article about them. We, when we were on tour, I don't know if you remember this, but in the local Albuquerque newspaper, there was a story that said that Friday was the best day to not get murdered by the Albuquerque PD. <laughs> yeah. I, was a, I have it. I have the photo because I posted about it and I said, hey, good news for our show on Friday night. And I posted that photo. Jesus. Yeah, they were at one point over one five-year span, the Albuquerque PD killed 28 people in police shootings this is not new york it is a small city. and per capita that was two times higher than the rate the chicago pd was killing people and eight times higher than the nypd because albuquerque is only five hundred and fifty thousand people it's not a huge place so 28 police shootings in five years is a lot and the reason their police force became that way is in 2005 Two cops were killed on the job, and the mayor of Albuquerque at the time decided his platform was going to be, we need more police, in response to the killing of those two officers. But he didn't say good police, and that's important. Very important, because what happened is they increased the budget to where they could hire 100 new cops, and no one wanted to be cops in Albuquerque. So they ended up putting this practice in place where if you were a cop in good standing at another police department, you could just come work for the Albuquerque PD with no background checks, no, like really no pre-employment checks at all. They just assumed, well, you were a cop there, you can be a cop here. What could go wrong? There couldn't be a reason that you're no longer a cop there. Exactly. Or the Tamir Rice problem. Yeah. And what happens is in 2007, they get this recruitment class that is like the, the 1983 NFL quarterback class of police violence. Just putting up fucking John Elway and Dan Marino police violence numbers. And it's because they were all crooked cops who had been forced out of their department, but they got good recommendations because those departments didn't want to deal with them. No background checks. And then Albuquerque hires them and they go on to kill 28 people over the next five years. Yeah, that article yeah, I told you about, by the way, March 25th, 2015, your best oh. day not to be shot by APD Friday. Turns out Tuesday was the worst. 11 of 42 shootings. On Tuesdays. Yeah, the, the Department of Justice eventually had to send the Albuquerque PD a letter that was literally like, hey, stop killing people. We're, we're going to come check on you. And they did. And now the Albuquerque PD like has this big settlement with the Department of Justice. But for like five years there, they were just killing people. Albuquerque, you guys stop doing that. Stop killing people. Well, the big story at the time, I remember when we went out there, is they murdered a guy because they found a homeless guy living in the mountains and he put a knife to his own throat. So they killed him. Yeah, they shot him and sicked a dog on him for, yes, 
for Euro yeah, cops. He was camping a, in the Sandia Mountains. A, the exact same situation with a homeless guy that with a knife to his throat. They just tased him because the the goal there is to have him not kill himself. Yes, yes. Shooting a person who is threatening suicide is a bit antithetical. That's the thing too. If you're at home hearing all this and going, well, <laughs> I'm not black, and the police kill black people, so. Why do I have to worry about this? No, in the absence of black people, police kill indigenous people or uh, Hispanic people. And in the absence of that, they'll fucking kill poor people. Like, it's there's someone in your community that police are targeting right now, even if you don't live where black people are. We've also done an episode about police in Canada. Also crazy, also extremely violent. They just kill First Nation people, not black people. And it's that hunter mentality, like uh, like I was talking about. I mean, like it's that whole other mentality that you're that you're given when you're a cop, and uh, it makes it a lot easier for them uh, to do this kind of stuff. And you can see it in the eyes of the people that are like shooting people with tear gas in the face right now. They've been waiting for this their whole fucking lives. Oh yeah, to be able to go against people that mouth off. Yeah, I mean they and and they're doing it so blatantly. Like I was like shocked and I was like these guys have lost their fucking mind but when i really start thinking about it they're like oh they don't think they're gonna face any consequences for this because they never have before and it um and they know that unless like you can prove without a shadow of the doubt that's them and the other officers with them aren't gonna cop to that even if you have them on tape is the department gonna go after them brianna taylor's uh killers are still not in have still they've been fired one of them has at least still not in jail um so they they just don't think that there and there is no consequences right now because of the blue wall because no one around them is going to report them and because the higher ups the uh the department um the city it's a black eye on them it's a they're opening themselves up to lawsuits if they admit to anything so they're not they're not really all that you know enthused about pursuing any kind of change and also change costs money um it's also going to start paying quality officers more no just let's get these C students in here that don't know what they're doing, put them in training for nine weeks. That's long enough, right? Who admits to being wrong? Like who likes to admit they're wrong? And like our police system is wrong. And to actually be culpable and admit it is going to be like huge. Like, cause then we have to understand that there will be cops that think they're good cops who follow the blue wall and that they don't want to think that they're bad. They don't think they're the bad apples. So then to have them finally admit, okay, maybe it's a problem. And it's a problem that we go through in in the comedy world out here where people are fucking creeps and like sometimes you just know about it and people are like oh fucking don't go with this guy and it's like no we should be breaking that guy's fucking legs that guy shouldn't be allowed to perform right and a lot of like these officers the 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 quote-unquote good apples that don't report it a lot of time in the, in the bad apples they don't see what they're doing is wrong because they're like look we're you know we're the only thing keeping and this is you know i don't believe any of this but this is like the mentality there is like well we're the ones keeping the monsters at the door we're the ones keeping them from coming in so you know i mean like if we're not getting paid enough for this the public doesn't respect us so yeah maybe we take a little bit here a little bit there or yeah maybe we give some you know we maybe cuff some guy that you know giving us some lip or something like that but who cares i mean we're the good guys how we're often, not doing anything wrong how often do cops prevent murder versus just avenge it oh we're That's totally the reactionary. like they, they they think they're like a shield protecting the community they're not they're they're more of just the sword to stab whatever harm 
harmed the community. And like, I understand that you need to arrest people and do stuff, but police aren't fixing problems. No. And like the reason, and I've mentioned this before, cause, and, and I have a history with the police when I used to do like the charity fights for them and everything, that money was for the boys and girls club locally. The police was doing charity raising for them. So I assume the money was there to give a positive outlook to prevent future problems. I wouldn't have done charity fights to raise money for the police. Yes, yeah. You know, well, they're, they're not the, even there. I think it should be steered more away from like law enforcement to public safety. Yes. Um, because what it what what the police are right now, we're not for public safety. They're not. I mean, we're there to, um, you know, execute uh, city policy. We're there to protect property and we're there to keep the population under control. That's what that's what police are, are there for right now. I mean. Uh, it's not to serve the public; it's to serve the city and enforce its laws. And They're not them- underpaid either. Like that's the other thing too. Like people like to think that the police are making this huge sacrifice, and it's like every year. I remember Worcester used to release the highest paid uh, civil servants. They would, you know, because it's public record when it's paid by taxes, and it was like right. the top ten were cops. Right. Like, like that's the thing. Like cops aren't going broke. It depends on the city. It depends on the department that you're working for. But um, it's not an. Ex- I mean, it's not an excuse. But it, it really does depend on the department you're working for. And besides, it's like you're a police officer. How much money did you think you were going to make when you signed up? I mean, I'm going to be honest. You're, you're a city. You're a city servant. You're not cops, cops when they pick up things like overtime and detail work and stuff like that. They make a fucking bank. Right. It's not a right. volunteer army. I think uh, another example I mention a lot that kind of typifies the difference between having the police deal with everything as opposed to having people who are qualified to deal with more nuanced issues deal with them instead is Boston used to or did uh, have a serious problem with youth violence. And for a lot of years, what they did in response to that was they would identify young people who seemed like they might be at risk of falling into that life and uh, brace yourself. I know this sounds crazy, but they would send people out to talk to those kids and be like, hey, uh, whatever's going on, you don't need to fucking murder anyone over it. And youth violence dropped by like 60 or 70 percent in Boston in a really short amount of time. But then they eventually just gutted that program. And now Boston has a youth violence strike force that goes out into the streets and gets kids into gang databases based on the clothes they wear and make violent arrests of children. And it's doing nothing to prevent youth crime. Obviously, but see, but see, that makes old white Bostonians feel better. A uh, uh, youth strike force. <laughs> we like to strike on the youth. I'm going to be hundred percent honest. Yeah, definitely. The scope of what police are responsible for should shrink. I was the only one that on my platoon that was that actually went to a quote training on how to deal with uh, mentally ill in crisis. The only reason I did that was because I was trying to get on the crisis negotiation team. Um, but I was the only I was the only one on my platoon of about maybe uh, eighty officers or so, or forty officers rather. You're that the was trained only to one. do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and like I get that you know someone's breaking in my house. All right, I don't have a gun. How about the police bring one? That's fine. Like I'm I'm fine calling the police for that. But also. It's going to take them significantly longer to show up if they're busy, like, 
wrangling up a coyote that people reported in the neighborhood because that's what cops should do is go round up wild animals also we mentioned that a few weeks ago that cops are doing like dog catcher stuff now and it's like like, cartoony with a big net yeah it's like that like Public Enemy had a song called 911 is a joke way back in the 90s. And the reason that song, 80s, right? Uh, it late 80s, early 90s, like right on the cusp, might have been 89. But they, uh, the reason they wrote that song at the time in Bed-Stuy, which is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, police response times when you called 911, 37 minutes. So what good are the police when you need them to respond to a genuinely life-threatening situation if they're too fucking busy issuing traffic tickets to poor people like obviously we need to scale down their fucking responsibilities yeah they they've taken on too much we could turn it like that be like hey you've taken on too much we need to make it so that you only do the things that you're trained to do and also stop killing uh, unarmed black people and black people in general. Stop killing. How about that? Just uh, if you can cut it out. Yeah. Stop shooting pe- Stop shooting drunks in the back because they humiliated you, a sober cop. <laughs> Imagine how inept you have to be, by the way, to have a fucking fall down, passed out drunk, embarrass you, humiliate you, get one of your weapons, run away, and then so you have to murder him. Yeah, the got- the cop who shot Rayshard Brooks put his taser down so he could shoot him. And it's like, that is taser on taser. And you're probably better with a taser than he is. Just fucking tase him. Like, what the fuck? It's cool. Remember when- Remember when we thought don't tase me bro was really funny and now we look right. back and we're like oh that was massive abuse. Well like I said some of these guys have been waiting for this opportunity their whole lives. So Oh that, um, we've been seeing that in the protests. Oh yeah. These guys have been yeah. getting ramped up. They can finally wear their gear. They can break in their new their new sneakers that mom got them. <laughs> yeah. I uh compared uh wearing the uniform one time to thomas like the black suit from spider-man you're just given all this all this power but it also amplifies every negative aspect of your personality so i mean to me it just made me extremely paranoid you know uh it makes you more like they make you aggressive did you uh did every cop you know cheat on their wives (laughs) <laughs> oh, um, maybe about 75%. Because that everyone I knew was like very open about it too. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, why wouldn't, aren't you ashamed of this? No, I'm, oh, no, no. We, we had a guy that was caught on a, on a security camera in Sears when he was on a side job, uh, you know, uh, banging one of the, uh, one of the clerks. He still had a job. I was though. really hoping it, it was one of the mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> this guy wouldn't have been surprised if it was. um yeah he still had his job i mean it's sears yeah really a problem was anybody there yeah what do they need protection from the 75 year olds that still inhabit sears shoplifters oh yeah shoplifters fucking it's built into the budget yeah people shoplift who cares let people shoplift if they need it that bad take it so i make my my moral shoplifting at walmart if I was like when I was shipping things out and buying boxes, I'm like, I'm not going to pay for all these boxes. <laughs> They're not going <laughs> to. They're not counting. I'm very white, so I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pay for four of these boxes and take twenty of them. <laughs> very smart. And it would be so easy to be like, I thought they scanned. Yeah. Why would I? Why would I steal a, a forty-eight cent box? And it's because fuck them. Oh, I tried to get away with that at Walmart once. My niece was coming to town, and 
I bought an air mattress and a bunch of shit to like set up a spare bedroom for. And they forgot to scan the air mattress, which was by far the most expensive thing in that cart. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, looks like I'm about to get away with a crime. And then I get to the door and they had someone checking the receipts. And she was like, oh, they didn't scan this. So I fucking punched her and booked it out of there. I always just walk by that guy. I'm like, have a good day. And then I just keep going. Fuck them. Fuck them. But also, like, I'm holding the boxes in my arms. Like, you want to count every one of these fucking cheap-ass boxes? It looks like I bought a bunch of them in bulk. You don't know the difference between 20 boxes and 10 boxes when they're flattened. You would never know. <laughs> fucking idiots. Fuck them. I know that's, like, a weird thing to say. And I know I, I, I take certain moral stances, especially about, like, stealing art and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, fuck Walmart. Yeah. 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 Also, steal John Bolton's book. Don't, don't pay for it. Oh, yeah. I'm planning to steal that for sure. Steal that shit. I might take it directly from John Bolton if I see him yeah, in the streets. Call the cops on him. Have him take him out. Give me that. Grab my book off the corpse. Give me that book. You aren't the first mustache anymore. Piece of shit. <laughs> you old salt and pepper, Rusty Jones motherfucker. <laughs> so I think that's our episode. That's a so. Thank right. you, Officer Ryman, you fucking pig. <laughs> oh, thank you. Fuck thank you. you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank no, it was you. Great to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, so, no, thanks. This was a little cathartic for me, so I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you agreeing to do it. I know it, at least some of it had to be kind of tough to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, three years of my life being a cog in that wheel, and um, the, not all of it was bad, but I I am ashamed of a lot of it. You know, uh, just the way they condition you. Um, um, and just, you know, for lack of a better word, I was a bully at times. So that's not what an officer is supposed to be. Um, you know, I'm totally support defund the police and, um, you know, black lives matter. So, uh, oh, yeah. but yeah, that's I tough to talk about, but thank you for giving me that uh, time to do it. I think growth is important and cathartic. I think it's yeah. important to sort of, I think that nothing is more, I think, important uh, than sort of recognizing and understanding that you were wrong yeah. at yeah. one point. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, Adam, Adam's wrong all the time. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm. It's very rare. Yeah, it would be easier just to name the couple times I was right, but right, and that's mostly Trump stuff. Uh, <laughs> what a wacky episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this was a fun, fun topic. Uh, as far as plugs go, uh, we have a new subscription service. Uh, yeah, we do. Unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. The Patreon still exists. If you're on the Patreon and you like it, just stay there. But uh, Supercast. So you don't need to switch. Awesome. No, you don't have to. The, uh, the, the main benefit of Supercast is that uh, all the podcasts aren't in one feed. You can pick which shows you want to populate in your podcast player. And uh, benefit for me, you don't have the ability to comment on podcasts or posts uh so if you still want to be able to talk to us stay on the patreon but uh one thing i should mention about supercast they were nice enough to waive all of our user fees for june and july which puts extra money in our pocket and we are going to donate that money that normally would have been spent on user fees to black lives matter los angeles uh which you probably also heard me plug at the top of the episode uh because here's the thing the lapd boy do they get a lot of money they have a gigantic budget even with 150 million dollars of it being cut they sure get a whole lot of money black lives matter los angeles could probably use a whole lot of money also let's get them some tanks yeah (laughs) no shit black lives matter some apcs 
Some fucking grenade launchers. Yeah. yeah shoot, a lot of, they were talking about how they got, get, um, I forget what department it was. They were talking about, oh, we get these for free. I'm like, for free? What? Nuts. These APCs, man. Uh, so, yeah, the, the support all that, please. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to plug? Yeah. Uh, Sideshow Sideshow with Jeff May is every other Tuesday through Sideshow Collectibles available where all podcasts are sold for free, including YouTube. Also, don't forget Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network with Tom Ryman. And then uh, occasionally on about roughly 1% of the time, John Ryman. Uh, yeah. On through one, almost 1% of the time we've had you on there. Uh, once uh, once comedy becomes legal again, uh, Mint Uncard will go back to being the second Friday of every month. It lasts from the past some beautiful magnolia in burbank california uh and of course i know you're listening on the main show but you need to check out you don't even like sports because and this is very important you don't even like sports you don't even like sports but you would like the podcast called you don't even like sports which is also part of the unpops network me and jeff co-host it we're about to we're about to uh have you looked at pete rose yet oh we're probably getting there yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually. We're trying not to repeat um, sports. Yeah, uh, yeah, gotcha. I think we have another problematic white dude on deck for next season. Yeah, John Rocker. Uh, I don't think it's worth a season. He might get a day. He might get a solo. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like but, an episode. Uh, well, because we do seasons, but then we also have like little standalone episodes for things that we find interesting. Like for example, we just did the San Diego Chicken. Great episode. Uh, which was which was a lot of fun. Uh, not not season worthy as far as the history, but definitely episode worthy. And I love that we get to do these little nugget episodes um, in between the bigger long seasons. And the next season we got going on. Oh, what a piece of shit! I'm so excited. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be nice the to Jose do. Jose Canseco's was just uh, chef's kiss. So it was great. Yeah, I like that. This next season we get to cover someone that I think we're fine to just unanimously hate. Yep, it's yep, gonna be yep, great. Yep. In, in a sport I don't care about, which I think is important. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for that. Well, I, I, I like learning about stuff that I don't, I never really paid attention to. So this is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar to the music podcast we do. Like people at, like we get iTunes comments where people are like, why would you do a podcast about a band you hate? To find out why people like that band, dipshit. That's why. It's like a really long 30 for 30 podcast. It is. Better and entertaining. Yeah. Oh, I love 30 for 30s are entertaining, but their podcast is. I would argue the 30 for 30 about Rodman is not that good. The Bruce Lee one was boring as fuck. Yeah, I've heard really? the summer of 98 one was fantastic. And the Lance Armstrong one, uh, Lance Armstrong, it was just him being a piece of shit. And like people being like, Lance is a piece of shit. Yeah, that's like, a documentary was, uh, about why you're glad Lance Armstrong got cancer. Yeah, absolutely. And Basically. I loved that. And we were going to do, uh, you don't even like sports. We, he was on our list, but now I think we can wait because that 30 for 30 covered it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. We, we'll do interesting people. John, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? No, not really. Donate, uh, donate, donate, donate. Stay out in the streets if you're if you're protesting. Uh, don't forget that this stuff is still going on. And um, just do what you can. Yeah. But also, you know, uh, just keep supporting these guys. Support uh, my brother on Gamefully Unemployed. Um, and uh, support local comedy. Support your local comic shop. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. John, say goodbye. Goodbye. Jeff, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.
blood objects of Bristol Street. Bring the blood objects of Bristol Street.